Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. One of those uh, fond and nostalgic moments, all right? Uh, we had the homemade sweaters. Do you know that his mom made all of the sweaters for him? Uh, this shoe change, by the way, speaking of sweaters, this ain't going to work. Good grief. I'll sweat like a pig up here. So mine's not homemade anyway. So uh, tie to, yeah. Uh, so there were things like the trolley. You remember the trolley? Uh, then, then we had life lessons. Uh, Mr. Rogers uh, was this mild-mannered, often uh, seemed to be disguised as just this gentle guy. But uh, did you know that, and you probably do now, because there are so many people that are so intrigued by him anymore, and they're doing all these documentaries on him and everything. But did you know that he was a licensed minister? He was a pastor. And what he did was, is he basically, without knowing, without us knowing it, he had changed and moved his pulpit into a TV set and began to preach to children all over the world. And each week, every week, he was dropping truth bombs on kids, right? And we just got happened. I'm kicking those off too. We just got, we just happened to get to, to listen as he shared all this truth. So he moved his pulpit. Well, there was a prevailing message that Mr. Rogers shared week after week, day after day, and it was all about neighbors. And each week before he preached, I know, I know you don't think he was preaching, but I'm getting ready to show you he was preaching. Each week before he preached, he would sing this song, this, uh, this special little song, and he'd ask this question, won't you be my neighbor? Then he would, he would drive home that question and, the, and that message with statements like this. He said this. He said, we all long to be lovable and capable of loving and whatever we can do through the neighborhood or anything else to reflect that and to encourage people to be in touch with that, then I think that's our ministry. He was preaching. He was preaching week after week. But I, I have a question. Where do you think Mr. Rogers came up with all this sermon material? Week after week, where do you think he got the idea about neighbors and neighborhoods and all this stuff? I would suggest to you that he got all of that information and all that material from the original Mr. Rogers. Jesus. Jesus may have never sung a goofy song on a, on a set uh, and, and sat on a stool and changed his shoes and uh, all that kind of stuff, but he taught us about neighbors. Perhaps one of his greatest lessons and most important lessons was the one that he taught us in Luke chapter 10. I want you to join me there this morning. Most of you have heard the account that I'm going to read all of your lives. I'm going to read it out of a different version so that maybe it will arrest your attention a little bit and you'll get it uh, fresh and new. But listen to, listen to what happens. In Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25, this is what takes place. It says, Just then a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? He answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? And he said, 
that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do it and you'll live. Listen to what it says. Looking for a loophole, he asked, and just how would you define neighbor? And Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way he was attacked by robbers, and they took his clothes, they beat him up, and went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. And then a Levite religious man showed up, and he also avoided the injured man. And finally, a Samaritan traveling the road came on him, and when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him, and he gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, and he led him to an inn and made him comfortable. And in the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. What do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religious scholar responded, and Jesus said, go and do the same. This is a, uh, in, uh, uh, an incredibly rich account. It's certainly one of Jesus' most famous parables that he tells. Uh, he's teaching us a lesson. It's rich. And I could probably spend the entire series in this one account because there's so much. But there are some other things we want to dig down into. So this morning, I just want to mention a couple things and then teach us. And maybe, I hope, uh, you, know, you guys know after being with me now for 10 or 11 years, some of you, that I don't have a problem usually challenging you. So we're going to be extremely challenged in this series uh, together over this month. But I think that's okay. I think we need to be. So let's just a few things. First, I want to tell you that the Jews were neighbor haters. There's no other way to put it. They were neighbor haters. The Jews literally hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans were considered half-breeds. They weren't uh, pure bloods. They, they, they didn't have uh, the socioeconomic status of the Jews. So the Jews literally hated them. They, they, they looked down on them. They avoided them. In fact, the Jericho Road, the truth about the Jericho Road was that it was a road that, uh, that was used to bypass Samaria to get to Jericho. There were faster ways to get to Jericho than the Jericho Road. But the Jews developed uh, this mountain path road. I, I got to walk it not too long ago. I, I actually got to climb it not too long ago because there's no walking. It's climbing. I got to climb it. Uh, and and the, the whole purpose of the road was so that Jews wouldn't have to come into contact with Samaritans. They would avoid them. The road was used for that. The road that was used as this backdrop for this account that Jesus gives was literally nothing more than a hiding place for hate. That's what it was. They literally went out of their way to avoid the Samaritans. And I just have to ask you, we, we, none, of us, none of us would go out of our way to avoid someone, would we? Would we? The second thing I, I think it teaches us is that Jesus teaches this stark lesson. He uses characters that should arrest our attention to craft this story. The religious folks are those who are supposed to respond and to know and love God. And they're the ones that are supposed to reach out to man and love on man and tend to man and rescue man. And yet the religious folks are the ones that avoid the person in need. 
there's a lesson in there. And I'm not going to stay there long. I just want to say to you this, that, that Jesus uses a Samaritan and he paints this Samaritan as a hero. And what I would say to you about the Samaritan was he was an unexpected person in an unexpected place and he responds. The, the Samaritan, he, he behaves in exactly the opposite manner that the religious folks behaved in. He, uh, he shows us that real neighbors are people who respond and inconvenience themselves and, 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 and moved, are moved by compassion and are moved by the needs around them and the hurts around them. And he uses that kind of individual to craft a story to ask this question. Who is my neighbor? He asks and answers this in this account. So we know the story. We're familiar with it. But perhaps this morning we need to ask this question again as we begin this Neighbor Hater series. Who is our neighbor? Who really is our neighbor? I, I would submit to you this morning that we tend to define our neighborhood as those who live within reach. I've noticed that we tend to confine our concept of our neighbor, our neighborhood to uh, those on our block, those in the same area code, those with the same zip code, those with the same style of house that we have, those that have the same look that we have. They're familiar to us. They they resemble us. We say those people are are they're, they're, they're our neighbors. They're like us. They're our neighbors. But Jesus does this. He redefines and he expands our neighborhood. I want you to notice that Jesus redefines who our neighbor is. He expands the concept of neighborhood for us. And he says that a neighbor is anyone in front of us who may be in need. Are y'all here? I heard you during worship. You sound like you were here. But are you with me now? Am I making sense? Jesus redefines our neighborhood. He redefines and expands this concept of who is my neighbor. My neighbor is anybody that is in need. That's who my neighbor really is. Uh, uh, He says, he says, uh, it has nothing to do with sidewalks. It has to do with sickness. It has nothing to do with proximity. It has to do with pain. It has nothing to do with house. It has to do with healing. That's what it's all about. It's, it's as we respond with the compassion and love of Christ for those in need. In fact, the whole concept of, the, of Jericho Road, we have, we have kind of messed up in our own mind because uh, we, we, I've talked to you about this before. before we kind of, uh, we, when we start talking about the Jericho Road, we paint it like what we, the, the, the neighborhoods we live in. Like in my neighborhood, there's a sidewalk that goes in front of my house. And so uh, the Jericho Road in my mind works like this. I, I see somebody in need on my sidewalk. I'll just cross the street to the other side and get on the other sidewalk and go by them because I want to avoid them. That's not what is taking place in this account because I walked the Jericho road. It is a little path about this wide and on the side of the path is a sheer cliff 300 feet straight down. There is no crossing to the other side. Jesus is literally telling a story and we've warped it to think that it's in our, in our, our def- definition of what it's like. But the truth is, is what he's saying is if we, if we respond like religious folks, what we will do is we will literally step over people in need. It's not about moving across to another side to avoid them, going a different route to avoid them. It is literally Jesus saying, you, you don't care so much that what you do is you literally take an opportunity and you step over people in your path that are in need. There are people in our path 
that are in need and that are in pain. And those are the people that regardless of anything about them that, that we don't like, we, according to Jesus, must define them as our neighbor. We can't step over them. So in other words, what Jesus is literally saying, he said, there goes the neighborhood. When you, when you leave where you live, when you walk into a store, Jesus is saying as you're walking up and down the aisles of Walmart, there goes your neighborhood. He, he's saying that when you go to get coffee somewhere and you walk in, even though you don't know anybody in there, and even though they may look nothing like you, and they may not live in a house that's like your house, and they may not even dress like you, they may not talk like you, but the, Jesus would say, there goes your neighborhood. That's the neighborhood right there. That All across the state is our neighborhood. Across the country is our neighborhood. Around the world is our neighborhood, because now Jesus defines our neighbor as anybody that we come into contact with who is in pain that's our neighbor we must redefine and expand because jesus was trying to teach us that we're all on the same road even though we live on different streets we're all in this thing called life and all of us are going to experience pain and heartache and jesus is saying even though you may live in different sections of a town even though you may live in different sections of a state even though you may live in different sections of a country or a world those people when we we discover that people are in need we cannot turn a blind eye and not offer a hand the walls that we tried to raise to separate us are nothing more than attempts to avoid assistance and they're nothing more than attempts to avoid acceptance and Jesus is confronting us and saying look you've got to reach your neighbor you've got to love your neighbor it doesn't matter what they look like doesn't matter how they talk doesn't matter where they live if they if they are in need they're our neighbor Mr. Roger would have, Mr. Rogers would have said a huge amen to this idea. Listen to what he says. He says, all we've ever asked to do, all we're ever asked to do in this life is to treat our neighbor, listen to this, especially our neighbor who is in need, exactly as we would hope to be treated ourselves. That is our ultimate responsibility. He was preaching. All he was doing was preaching the message that Jesus was trying to get us to understand. And Jesus and Mr. Rogers are trying to get us to quit stepping over people that are in our path with a blind eye saying, they're not like me, they don't live like me, they don't work like me, they don't go where I go, they don't live in the same section of town, they're not the same skin color, they don't speak the same language, they don't have the same culture, they don't have the same habits, so therefore they're not my neighbor they, they're somebody else's neighbor, but they're not my neighbor. And we literally step over a people in pain on the way to church to try to get to people that look like us, talk like us, comfortable with us. I think too many of us are like the religious leader who asked this question. He said, who is my neighbor? I think he, I think he was playing games. I know he was playing games. I don't think he was being honest. I, I, I think all you got to do is read Scripture for Scripture's sake and, and take it exactly like it says it. Because I think, according to Scripture, the passage that I read to you, he says, the Scripture says that he was looking for a loophole. <laughs> uh, he was looking for a loophole. In fact, the NIV says it like this. He says he wanted to justify himself. Okay, so, so, so maybe the real question that this religious scholar should have asked was not, 
who is my neighbor? I know that's the question he asked, but he was playing games. He was looking for a a way to slide through to get let off the hook. I I think the real question that he should have asked was this one. I want to say I want to say this to you because I think maybe this ought to be the question we ought to ask this morning. Because I think this is the real question. Are you ready? Can you handle it? Can you handle the real question? He was literally asking this question right here. Who can I hate? Oh, I knew it would get quiet up in here. That, that is literally what he was asking Jesus. Who will you allow me to get away with hating? Okay. <laughs> but Jesus closed all the loopholes. Have you noticed? If, if we're going to be the church that Jesus wants us to be, then we are going to have to allow Jesus to close the loopholes of our lives. We, we, we want an excuse. Jesus, who can, who can I get away with not, not showing your love? Who can I hate? Who can I despise and still be good enough and like you enough that I can be considered a Christian? Who can I hate? If Jesus would just set the limits of my neighborhood to those who look like me. If Jesus would just set the limits of my neighborhood to those who dress like me. If Jesus would just define my neighborhood as people who behave like me, then I will have the justification or the permission to hate those people that don't. And Jesus said, sorry bro, ain't gonna work that way. You don't get to dismiss anybody, and you, are, you have no loophole here. You are, he, he slams the door on every escape route that this guy was trying to, to, to obtain for himself and, and says, you, I'm not going to give you permission to hate somebody. I'm going to use the scourge of the earth in your opinion. I'm going to use somebody that you think is a dog. I'm going to think that I'm going to use somebody that you think has no legal standing, no status in society that is completely, totally opposite of you that you have no esteem for, that you have no respect for, that you have no likeness for. You don't like these people at all. You're trying to avoid them. I'm going to use them as the main character of this story and say, you don't even get to hate them. Jesus, in response to the question, makes it clear that geography is not permission to hate someone. Jesus makes it clear that out of his out of this account that 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 ethnicity is not a uh, the right gives you no right to hate someone. Jesus says in the story that culture is not an excuse that we have that we don't like or love or care. In fact, Jesus does away with every reason. What does that mean? That means that that uh, there's no loophole that allows us to hate gay people. Listen, I'm going to preach back here because y'all look dangerous now. I'm going to get out of throwing distance. Listen, that means you you can't use words as weapons just because they're not like you. Is it right? No. Is it sin? Yes. Does that give us permission to hate them? No. Does it give us permission to treat them like a Samaritan? No. Oh. Okay, that means the Muslims, we don't have any right to hate them. We, we may not like what they do, we may not believe what they believe, and we don't. And we, and we recognize that we have the way. But that does not give us permission to step over them, and to talk bad about them, and to, to dislike them, and not love them. It doesn't give you permission to keep them out of your house. 
okay. All right. That means that we have no excuses about not loving drug, drug addicts. That means, as Pentecostals, we can't uh, think badly and hate Baptists. Come on now. Let's get to where we live. Some of y'all drive past some of these churches and go, mm, boy, if they just knew anything about the Holy Ghost. And then they get out of their services and walk, drive by us and go, mm, if you just knew anything about the Word. Okay, all right. Uh, that means we don't have permission to hate somebody that did us wrong. That means we don't have the right to hate uh, someone who abandoned us. That means we don't have the right to hate a liar. And I don't like liars, but I don't have the permission to, to hate them. I, 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 don't have, I don't have the right or permission from Jesus to, to hate the heartbreaker, the one that destroyed my heart. I don't have that right. I don't, there, there are no loopholes. Jesus doesn't say, I want you to love everybody but this. He closes every loophole. Maybe the real question we need to ask ourselves this morning is not, who is my neighbor? Maybe we ought to ask this question and be really transparent about it. Who do I hate? Who do I hate? Who do I hate? Why is that such an important question? Why does that even matter? Because John says this in 1 John chapter 4. He says, My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God. Because God is love. So you can't know Him if you don't love. Okay. This is how God showed His love for us. God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to clean away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other, unless they're black. Unless they're an Indian. Unless they're Hispanic and don't speak English. Unless they're Asian and look different than us. Unless they're gay. Unless they're a Muslim. Unless they're from a different culture. He doesn't say any of that. John doesn't even go there. He says, my dear, dear friend, if God loved us like this, then we certainly ought to love each other. No one has even seen God ever. But if we want love one another, God dwells deeply within us and His love becomes complete in us, perfect love. We, though, are going to love, love and be loved. First we were loved, now we loved. He loved us first. If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. I didn't say that. John said that. Be mad at him. If he won't love the person, he can see. How can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving, listen to this, the command we have from Christ is blunt. The command from Christ is blunt. It says this, loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. 
Did you catch it? I caught it. I can claim all the love I want to for Jesus. I can run, I can run into sanctuary after sanctuary and the music start and I can, oh, how I love you and Jesus is the lover of my soul and I'm here to worship you and my heart is turned towards you and like a deer and the whole time I'm doing that, if in my heart I hate somebody because they don't look like me, don't talk like me, don't live where I live, then Jesus looks at me like the religious scholar that he talks about in this account who is literally stepping over people to try to keep going on my path towards God, but I'm leaving people behind that are in pain and I've allowed myself to receive a loophole, an escape route. I've let myself off the hook. I've given my pers- myself permission to, to do what Christians are supposed to do, which is worship God. But I've given myself permission to hate man. And John says, that's not even possible. That's not even possible. Jesus comes onto this scene and this religious scholar asks him this question. And he says, who is my neighbor? I still think he should have said, who can I hate? And Jesus confronts the hate in the room. So if Jesus is our example... Maybe I ought to just confront the hate in the room. Because some of y'all go to church together, but you won't go eat together. Okay, all right. I probably ought to turn the tape off because I used to be in, I've told y'all this before, I used to be in the church somewhere out east, some undisclosed location. And we had black folk that they would let come clean the church. But they wouldn't eat with them. We'd have, we'd have special meals at the church. And they, they would bring in these black folks to cook the meal. And I'd stand around and watch all my white congregation members eat. And they would never offer food to the very people that was cooking for them. They were good enough to cook. But they weren't. I just got back from Israel on a trip with uh, 50, 50 Religious folks, everybody on the entire bus was saved. There, were, there was me, because I'm white chocolate mocha anyway. And LaVon, y'all met LaVon. And one other pastor of color. So there were three of us. Hey, what? Casper, Lily White is a color. All right? So we're sitting on the bus. And in narrow aisles, narrow aisles, and this bus is full of people that are giving their lives to the study of God's words. They're Bible college students. Some of them have already graduated and are on their way to master's. Some of them pastoring churches. And they would walk down the bus aisle, which was tight. And I would, I would literally watch. I started fighting for the aisle row to keep this from happening. I would literally watch as my two friends, Levon and Daryl, both my brothers, sit next to me with this small aisle on the bus. I would walk, watch these folks walk down the aisle and step on one of their folks' feet. And they would stop and, oh, we're so sorry, man. We didn't mean to step on your feet. I'm so sorry. I bumped you wrong. And then they would come to Levon and Daryl and they would step on their feet and never stop. Never stopped, never said a word. And I just, I, I had enough. I, I looked at Levon and said, I'm about ready to stab somebody in the throat. If they step on your foot one more time, it, it, 
it's going to go, it's going to get ugly up in here because I'm tired of them. And he looked at me and he said, you get it. You get it. I'm asking us to get it as a congregation. I'm looking at you and say, I'm thankful that we're not all white in here. There's nothing wrong with white, but there ain't nothing wrong with black. There ain't nothing wrong with brown. There ain't nothing wrong with any other skin color that you can create. So I'm so thankful that we worship together. Listen, 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 listen. Please don't miss this. I'm so thankful that we worship together. I am. I'm glad. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to worship with all white folks because y'all don't have any rhythm anyway. I, I want us to get. To, I, I want to be multicultural. I, I, I want us to understand that we can worship together. I want us to worship together. I want us to worship together. But don't get too excited. Don't don't give me a hand yet because I'm getting mess with you. I, 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 it's not enough for us just to worship together. That, that's no better than the, the guys in this account. I want us to do life together. I want our neighbors to talk about us. I want, I want my neighbors in my, uh, what I've discovered is a very white neighborhood to begin to ask me questions because there are black folks and Hispanic folks walking into my house on a regular basis. And I want them to come over and I want them to call the police on me and say there must be dealing drugs up in there. I, uh, they gotta be, there's something gotta be going on because something's wrong. There's more black folk going in there. What, what's wrong? There's, there's actually Hispanic folks in my neighborhood. What is wrong? Call the cops. Honey, there's something going on over there. I want us to do life together. I want us to worship together. I do, I do, I do. But I want it to get beyond that. I want us to come to this place where we do life together. We live together. We recognize with each other that we are neighbors. We're neighbors. And so I'm confronting any hate in the room. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you today. We've, look, at the, look at the kaleidoscope of colors across this room. Brown, black, white. We've got Jews. We've got, we've got uh, I don't know if we've got any uh, uh, Middle Eastern Indian f- flavor, but we, we've, got, we've got, we're going to get there. We, we've got to get there. We, we, we're family. We're family. And so this is what you say, what are you trying to get? Where are you, where are you, where are you trying to go? I'm just tr- trying to, you to, to, to get you to confront the hate in your life. Because you can worship together and give yourself a loophole and say, I did my duty because I worshiped with them. But when's the last time you went to somebody that doesn't look like you? Oh, I'm going to do this. No, no, don't start that. We're going to have problems. And he said, you know what? I need you to come to my house. I need you to go to lunch. I need us to spend some time together. When's when's the last time? When's the last time you showed up at 3 o'clock just because you needed a little bit of salsa in your life? Because y'all do know we have a Hispanic congregation that meets here at 3 o'clock that most of you have never darkened the door for, even though they call themselves Passion Iglesia. I've already gone to church. I know. But we're called to do more than just go to church. Have, have I hit it hard enough? Because it's going to get tighter in here as we go. Because next week we're going to talk about the labels we put on one another. And then we're going to talk about skin color. 
So don't, some of y'all are like, I'm planning vacation right now. I know, I'm out of here. But we got to confront this because let me tell you what's getting ready to happen. When we open the doors to heaven gates, hell's flames, and we present this evangelistic uh, invitation to people to get saved, people that don't look like us, uh-oh, they, oh, no, surely not. They might. They actually might. But it's possible. They could actually, like, get saved. And then decide that the place they got saved was where they want to go to church, but they don't look like us, and they don't drive the same car we drive, and they don't live in our neighborhood. We've got to come to this place where we understand that Jesus said, look, if they're in pain, they're your neighbor. I, I want to back up one second, and then I'll get out of your way. I just want to back up and say, read this little passage from John again. It says, this is how God showed his love for us. God sent His only Son in the world so that we, he, we might live through Him. And I just wanted to stop this right here this morning and just say, if you don't know Jesus, we don't hate you. In fact, we love you so much that we're desperate for you to get to know Him. That's why here in a minute when we talk to you about heaven's gates, hell's flames, and we say, use these invitation cards, we tell you how to do it. We want you to operate like the Samaritan. Listen to what I'm saying, then I'm going to close right here. I want you to operate like the Samaritan with these tickets. I'm going to come back and talk about them in just a minute. But I want you to operate like these Samaritans. I want you to go into unexpected places where you see pain. And rather than stepping over them, I want you to stop and say, hey, I know I know who can handle all your pain and can bring healing to you. Come on, Kim, will you come play? I, I, I just want to confront the hate in the room. I don't know some of you very well. and I, I do know this. Most of us are really, really good at hiding hate. Because to my knowledge... And I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt like I'm asking you to give me the benefit of the doubt. To my knowledge, there ain't nobody in here that's ever been racist inside these four walls. To my knowledge. But y'all do know you can be racist not just about skin color. You can be racist about handicaps. You can be racist about gender. So y'all have done really good at hiding it in here, but I'm exposing it this morning. I would submit to you that if I had to guess, I would guess that most of us have operated a lot like the religious folks in this account recently. We just don't have it on tape. Y'all didn't get that. Nobody was recording us. And so we presented ourselves a loophole. I'm asking you to allow Jesus to close every loophole this morning. So that we can love one another. And I can feel your pain. But you can feel mine too. Because it goes both ways. And God is going to teach us how to live and love. And find people that nobody else wants. And do more than just worship with them. He's going to help us to love on them. And to do life together. Would you pray with me this morning? Father. I'm asking you to confront the hate, not just in this room, 
I'm asking you to confront the hate in our heart. I'm asking any hidden hate. Just like the road to Jericho was a hidden path almost to avoid people that this segment of society did not want to run into God. If we've been going out of our way to avoid... then I ask you would confront every grain of hate in us. If it's based on skin color, if it's based on culture, if it's based on geography, if it's based on gender, if it's based on ability, if it's, a, if it's based on language, God, I pray you would confront right now, confront in me, confront in me, confront in me. Any hate, any residual effects of people in my line, in my, in my genealogy that hated. I, I, I repent publicly for people in my, in my genealogy that would, would once say that it, the only good Indian is a dead Indian. I repent of that. I don't care any of that for it. I refuse. There's no loophole allowed in my life. I, re- I refuse to carry that or perpetuate that. Help me to see people. Help me to see people who are in pain. Hear the cry of my heart. Help me to see people in pain and step to them rather than stepping over them. And Father, I pray that you would do that for every person in this congregation. And Father, we repent this morning if all we're doing is worshiping together, but we're not living life together. God, I repent if there are folks of, uh, of different color, different languages in this room or part of this body that I, I may spend time worshiping you with, but I don't really ever spend any other kind of time with them. I welcome them in worship. I avoid them in life. I pray that you would break that down in us right now and this would become a place where people just love people. That we would be madly in love with you, Jesus, and we would show that by how we love others. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that you would redefine for us and expand our concept of neighbor. And we wouldn't put any restrictions on who we love. I ask you to accomplish this in Jesus' name. And this, we're going to get real practical this morning. I want you to look at me. I want you to stand with me just real quickly, and then I'm going to, I'm going to get out of your way. But I, I, I want to make sure we do this right. I, I, I want to be very intentional. It's going to get more intentional as we go. Uh, I, I, I just want you to move out from where you're, you're seated this morning. Listen to me. This is, going, this is going to be a challenge for some of you. I want you to get out from where you're seated and I want you to go find somebody that doesn't look like you. That doesn't, that doesn't look like you. I'm so, can, can I just brag on you? I'm glad we only, we, if I'd have done this at the church I used to work at a long time ago, one person would have got a lot of love because <laughs> there was always a token. I'm glad it's not like that this morning. I want you to go find somebody that doesn't look like you, and I just want you to take a, a, a moment, just, just a brief moment, and I want you to either hug them or shake their hand or look at them and say, you are my neighbor. You're my neighbor.
It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.